Hi, Richard. Hi, Ash. Hi, Lawrence. Uh, hello. Hi. How are you both doing? You all right? Morning. Yeah. Monday morning. Beautiful. Yeah. All good. Thank you. Good. How are you guys doing? Absolutely fine. Enjoying the weather. Enjoying the time off we've got at the moment for uh, the next twenty odd days. But uh, yeah, just making the most of a bit of rest and recuperation. I know. It's it's, uh, it's quite a treat to actually have uh, in August, right? Uh, I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to try and make the most of it. It's not what the weather report says for the next week. So, uh, yeah, as soon as I think this podcast is finished, you guys should exit the building ASAP. I would would love to do that. (laughs) I'm looking at my to-do list and all the meetings that we've got later on today. I'm hoping to get out at some point at least. But uh, a quick introduction, if that's okay um, with you, Richard Beaumont, LCF Recruitment. Just give us who you are, where you're from and and all that kind of stuff. That would be great. So yeah, Richard Beaumont, um, Managing Director of LTF Recruitment. Uh, we're based out of the, the Midlands. Um, so we deal with primary, uh, we recruit for primary, secondary and special needs schools um, actually nationwide. So my clientele is in uh, London and the two consultants I've working for me are based um, in the Midlands and one covers secondary schools and uh, special needs and the other covers uh, primary schools. So we're trying to cover as much area as possible. So yeah, that's us in a nutshell. Sorry, in terms of um we also only do long term, so long term placement. Of course. Whereas a lot of the quintessential education agencies do um everything. So it can be supply, uh, which is day to day cover, um, temp work, or it can be uh anything to perm placement. So we just do the long term contract and perm placement. And how long have you been going for now? I think it's been three years. I think years. I think we're coming. Yeah. We could be coming up to three years. Yeah. 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 I'm sure it hasn't I mean, it, it, been, it, seems, uh, it seems like a couple of weeks, but you know, it's <laughs> where's, it, where's it all gone, Richard? Honestly, honestly, it has since 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 we guys first uh, we we all sat, first sat at the table. Um, just crazy, my time. I know. And it probably hasn't all been plain sailing as, uh, as, uh, as uh, you know, as recruitment goes and business ownership goes, I'm sure. And we'll get, get, we'll get into that. Um, you learn as you go well. along. Yeah. Yeah. So just going back then, just three years, three years plus we, when it, when it came to, when you were thinking about starting your own firm, your own, your own recruitment business, were you thinking about it for a while? What was the process that you, you were kind of going through leading up to starting your own business? I wouldn't be surprised if every top biller or successful biller in any recruitment sector didn't think about starting up on their own, especially when they receive their commission uh, from the companies that they're at. Because, um, you know, it's, very, it's great when, when you're at a company and you excel and, you know, you're, you're kind of along for the ride. But I think when you get used to being a top biller and when you get used to constantly hitting those targets and getting those numbers, quite a lot of the time you can actually figure out how much you're building, how much you're, you're making the agency. Um, and it was quite different for me because it wasn't something that I had always thought about. Um, there, was, there was a part in 2016, I think, where I unfortunately got testicular cancer. So I had to take about eight months off of work in order to do that. Thank God everything's good now. Um, but it was actually during that downtime where previously I'd been helping other 
investors set up education agencies uh, in the UK that I then decided I've got to do it for myself. I now know the processes. I know roughly what I'm getting myself into. And I'm, I'm as prepared as I possibly could be as an entrepreneur to start um, my own agency. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's the story behind LTF? What's the, what's the reason <laughs> for that? Can you share that with us? Yes. Um, actually, so LTF stands for long-term futures, but that isn't initially what it first stood for. It, it first stood for uh, lead the future. Um, and two months down the line into starting the business, I still couldn't figure out what I meant by that. Um, it sounded good at the time. Um, it sounded like a bit of a catchphrase. Um, but it wasn't what we did. It wasn't, it didn't identify us as a brand. Um, and I had started at the agency just to be a long-term and permanent recruitment company, um, which we were the only one in the market, in the education market at the time. So when I started playing with the words a bit, it came long-term futures and I thought, we've got to get rid of the old slogan. We, we have to get rid of it because it was too fluffy. It really was, you know, for, for, for me as an agency or for, on behalf of LTF, it was just about doing a better job than everyone else. It wasn't recreating the wheels. It, you know, it, I didn't want to sugarcoat it. I didn't want to wrap a present in a different package and just essentially give them the same product to say, oh, look how amazing this is because yeah. that's not you know, we're not lead the future, you know, we're not going to space or, or you know, doing any, yeah. doing any Richard Branson stuff. We are providing an excellent service to schools yeah. across the UK. So long-term futures give the schools an idea of what we are instead of having to explain what our catchphrase is. It's a, it's a, it's, I think a lot of recruitment entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, when they're thinking of starting up, they're thinking of many, many things uh, but one of the things that's was, was crossed your mind, certainly in a very busy market, education, recruitment being being one of them, you must have thought at some point, okay, how am I going to, why are my clients going to come to me, first of all, and how am I going to um, stand out? Is it going to be the service offering? Is it going to be, what is it going to be? And like you said, you don't really need to change much, really. You don't need to, to really... Um, you, you know, kind of have any groundbreaking ideas. Um, what was going through your mind in terms of how, what, what vision did you have in terms of how you're going to kind of make the business success and stand out? So initially it was the, the, the said we're the only agency to provide just long-term staff. Yeah. Um, the, the other part was, from being with good agencies previously, I started off at, a, at the top agent, the top education agency in the UK, um, just due to, to the to the market dominance they have. They've got um, they've got branches in pretty much most prominent locations in, in across the UK and Wales. <laughs> so for me, it was massively about processes. I think the intellectual property of an agency is is their database is their clients, is their uh, accessibility to be able to market out the best candidates to schools. And it's a candidate-led market as well. So, mm -hmm. so if you've got someone good, it doesn't matter if you have a previous relationship with that school. They will require that person no matter who you are or where you come from. Mm -hmm. So 
it's important to, as a, as a recruiter to obviously be very good at your job, but it's also really important to have good processes. So a way we can stand out in the market, which is what we're trying to do at the moment, is create our very own CRM. Um, we've tried to use the standardized CRMs that uh, everyone's using. You know, I don't need to mention them. Everybody knows who they are. Um, and they have 50 million buttons, of which one will be suitable for what you need. And, you know, you can customize it, and that's great, but I felt like it wasn't ours. So we've got some developers at the moment who are creating a customized CRM, which we can actually call our own IP. Um, it's going to be able to do invoices. It's going to be able to do whole client information, whole candidate notes, candidate vetting, which is hugely important in the education sector. That, to me, is what will make us stand out. Because instead of our uh, uh, consultants spending two minutes on a certain task, they can spend 10 seconds on it. And everybody knows as a recruiter, every second you have throughout the day is, is vital. Um, you know, unless you obviously want to get a sleeping bag, bag and bring it to work. So, <laughs> the, um, yeah, that, that's what makes us stand out. I really do honestly think it's about providing consultants and for myself as well to have the right training, understand the process, perfect the process, and provide it to the client in a much quicker, more efficient way than everybody else. And I know other recruiters in the market, and I know, you know, I've met plenty of education recruiters in my time, worked with some very good ones. And I know as long as the processes are strict and as long as you actually have a really good way of, of wrapping a package and delivering it to a client, that's, that's all you need to stand out. I really don't think the wheel needs to be modernized in any way. When, um, when you were starting up, for, I always say the first six, 12 months are absolutely crucial. You've got to be professionally ready. The market's got to be right. You've got to be personally ready. You've got to have the right, you know, the plan, the right plan in place. You've got to know what you want and all that kind of stuff. And you've got to have the right infrastructure and resources and all this kind of stuff. Many, many things. What was the first 12 months like for you as a, as a, as a new recruitment business owner? That's where nail biting. We're just constantly nervous. Yeah, I think for, well, for me, I've, I've gone um, nervous about the fact I had £2,000 in savings and I had 500 left by the time I'd set the business up. So to me, it, you know, it was not a set up knowing I had these savings for six months. Not It was, I didn't have to kick this off. And I knew I had the self-confidence in myself to know that I could build. I could build. You put me in an area. If you put me in a location, I'll build. So the most important thing for me was um, a client list. I needed to have a client list in which to work with. And um, unlike other recruiters, I never actually took any data or information from my previous agency. You know, it wasn't something I felt was right. No. And I left that client information with that. So I spent a good part of about a month and a half creating a whole client list, absolutely monotonous to say the least, of every single head teacher, Denko, which is a special needs coordinator within a primary school, who were the, the main decision makers as far as I was concerned. So I, I went through every borough, I went through every school, and I compiled the list, 
of thousands of addresses, email addresses, direct email addresses, um, and basically then used it through the MailChimp system um, in order to be able to, to market my candidates there. Um, and it goes back to what you were saying in the previous question, you know, how, how do you stand out? Our, our, our list, our client list, and it's something I've given to two consultants as well, um, is the most important thing. I will not allow them to bill unless they have a client list. Because if they don't have a client list, it's fine having 100 candidates. If you can't send them to, sell them to an end client, there's nothing more you can do. So <laughs> they followed the same model as me, and, and it's worked out so far. And that, to me, was, was hugely important, and it reaps huge dividends later on down the line. Well, it's absolutely crucial. You touched on a really important point there is that you have to have um, a plan you have to have a plan yeah. how you're going to go to market and how you're going to take your candidates to market and all that kind of stuff and that really comes down to when you're first starting out is navigating around any restricted covenants that you've got or anything like that which is a big talking yeah. point and a big issue sometimes um that um a lot of a lot of our guys a lot of recruiters that we, we speak to are often quite anxious about quite nervous about because they have to navigate, they can't touch <laughs> current clients, you know, absolutely not. But after that six months is up or however long that is, it's great because you've got all this, typically, typically speaking, you've got all this business development, this new business that you've been doing for the first six months or something, brand new clients, and then you can go back to your kind of, your warm clients after that as well. Did that, did that happen to you after a while? You could go back to your clients and it all kind of started coming together then? Was it that, was it that smooth? Yeah. Yeah, you, you had, it wasn't quite that smooth. Um, Never the, is. The education recruitment market is a lot more uh, relentless than that. You, you, you'd like to think clients will always be there for you, but they're always going to be there for the best candidates. Yes. And if you're not delivering those candidates to them when they need them, um, unfortunately, they're going to have to go somewhere else. And every time I speak to one of my old clients, I say, only stick with me as long as the service is good. You know, you have to have that transparency with them. And I think underselling yourself is actually just as important as overselling. Because if you oversell and you can't actually deliver the product of what, what you have set up the agency to do, you are going to get a reputation in the market that you really don't want. Um, and I think if you actually be transparent with the clients to say that, it's been a while. I had to do my competition clause. I couldn't speak to you for six months. And they say, well, we've got someone else. And I say, just give me the same, send me the same email, make, give me the same phone call you give to your current uh, recruiter. And if I can deliver a better candidate, then you know who you're going to use next time. You know, it re you, you really are only as good as your last place. How difficult uh, so is it to stay on track with your, your vision when you're starting a business? You obviously had a vision. You're right. You're right. Um, um, entrepreneurial, uh, motivated guy. How difficult is it to stay on track, you know, in year three, year four? Um, well, to, to, to stay on track in terms of? Growth. Um, extremely difficult uh, because, you know, how, how much is enough? You know, what, 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 what this is the figure now where we can build and expand? Um, that was really the most difficult thing for me. You know, we earn, we we've always increased in revenue, uh, which is which has been great. And mm. 
thank God George and Ken, you know, most of the time there's always a nice conversation to have with him, especially at the end of year, Ken. And, you know, so that's been where I had the least expertise. That yet I've yet to, to, to go through until now is actually when do I grow? How do I grow? How do I grow without affecting my clients in a negative way? Um, notoriously, every time you spend less time on your own desk and more time uh, expanding a company or whatever it might be, you, you often find that those clients aren't getting the same service they were. So for me, it's been about managing their expectations, you know, saying that actually I'll take over from me, but there'll be a steady transition. Um, and, and you know what? I have to accept that we might have a 10% drop. We have, you know, you just have to take those things into account. The mm -hmm. person I'm getting in, which I'm, I'm hoping to invest in graduates, um, so we can train them up, you know, aren't, um, aren't going to know as much as I will. They're, they're not going to have the same expertise initially. So managing expectations is crucial. Um, for uh, Matt and Jamie, it's, they, they were employed when I felt the time was right. So I want the agency to be an optimum agency. The reason why I chose to do London clients because I studied So real predicament at the moment is do I set up a London office, you know, with, with it still being two thirds of the revenue of the entire company, should I do it? You know, and, and it's about finding the right person for that. So I'm happy to take on and continue maintaining my clients because I, I enjoy being a recruiter. So I enjoy that day to day side of things. But then I'm also managing uh, Matt and Jamie's growth as well. Mm. My two consultants. So it's thinking, okay, hopefully, I, when they bill a certain amount, I can so that we can then get graduates to work under Matt, then get graduates to work under Jamie. Then when they cover their desk, we'll get we'll bring in some more people. So I'm we have the money to be able to speculate, but I'd rather not do that. I'd rather people earn their way. We help them through the training. And then we move on to another person. And then once everybody covers their desk, we mm. continue growing that way. I think, I, think, I think if we just chuck 10 people in an office and they expect them to work out, we'll probably lose fire. So, so it's very much like a, a, you've got like a slow and steady sort of approach to growth. Now, do you have like a, <laughs> I know like, you know, the sky's the limit, right? But do you have a, a, an idea in your mind about how big? Um, not necessarily how big, uh, the most important thing for me is that the company runs without me being there every day. Um, that really, you know, I, I would ideally like to have early retirement in, in my mindset. Um, I, that's slightly out of reach at this moment in time, um, but I'll, I'll keep reaching nonetheless. Um, and, um, for that, I think. I have to, the company has to be able to stand on its own two feet. Mm. And I think the best way that can be done is for it to be organic, for it not to be rushed, not looking for any outside investors to push staff, get bums on seats. I want to get to know the consultants. I want to get them into the brand. I want to get them into the idea of what we're trying to do, which is really just provide an excellent service in a market that is 
flooded with average consultants, in, in my opinion. Um, yeah. That's great. I mean, just, you know, so, you know, kind of, I suppose, kind of leaning on to that, obviously, you've got a very clear idea in your mind of, of what success is uh, to you. And that's the thing. It's a really personal thing, isn't it? Uh, because everybody goes into this wanting something different. Is there something you would say to, to people kind of entering into, or at least kind of considering starting their own business? Is there any advice that you would give them? Kind of yeah, universal? I'd say be relentless because, because if, if you're not, someone else is. Mm. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good I love piece that. of advice. <laughs> that's, that's like a real just like, that's the answer. And I, it, you're yeah. right. Recruitment is sales. Recruitment is people. Um, people buy into other people. They don't buy into the agency. You know, I used to work for an agency with 800 staff that you know is huge recruitment agency and um, they weren't buying into my agency they, they they you know we offered the same products as everyone else they were buying into me they were buying into the candidates that i vouched for the candidates that i vetted that i recruited so as a result if if you're a good recruiter um have the you know just kind of have that confidence in yourself which i'm sure most recruiters do or most companies do, to say, you know what, I can do this, and I'm going to be first to the post every time. And for me, if I get an email, I answer back straight away. If I get a phone call, I take it eight, nine, ten. It doesn't matter. You know, for me, it's constantly being available. And yes, sometimes it is tiring. And yes, sometimes it does have an effect on you mentally. But that's a big part of why I started this business as well. I will allow both my consultants to work from home as much as they want when they want. They both have children. For me, obviously, coming from that period of time where I was going through chemotherapy, um, you know, I was down quite a lot of the time. You're very unsure of what the future holds for you. So we have a completely flexible workforce where. For me, it's all about numbers. If they're delivering on the numbers, I don't care what they're doing. If, if they're healthy and they're happy, I think that's a really like great philosophy to have. I think I think ultimately it's kind of that res results-driven thing. Um, and and what's I suppose you you're kind of actually you've actually been a little bit ahead of the curve here because a lot of businesses have been forced into that mentality. You know, they've been kind of strong-armed into it by this whole kind of, you know, the whole COVID thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, and actually, you know, you've kind of you've almost been a bit of a forerunner in that. So Every, Everybody who was doing the same thing they were doing already with when COVID happened. It was like, okay, let's carry on. And, and I think that's why um, when September came around or was coming around and we had a big September push for placements, we did really well. Because, because we weren't doing anything different to what we've been doing before. Mm. I knew other agencies that had to send laptops to their guys at home. None of them has laptops, so they're having to, to, to purchase, make huge overheads, mm. um, you know, trying to get things in place and trying to micromanage their consultants. I mean, we probably had one Zoom call a day for 50, 20 minutes, and it was saying, 
what do we do now? You know, and and for the initial part, until I decided to to furlough the two of them, we went really, really strong on our marketing, really strong on our website, really strong because we weren't doing any sales. And I told them not to because the schools aren't in. Don't push people in this situation. So with the schools not not in at that time, um, and we weren't we weren't actually really billing. Our, our, our revenue went down. I think 80% with some of our, our key workers still going in. So to me, we had enough revenue in the business to, to kind of actually just sit back and say, what does the business need? And for us, the business meant an improved website, um, an improved identity um, in terms of what we were marketing out, what we were sending to our, our social media pages. Um, and really having templates in which to work off when we are much busier um, in the new academic year. So most of it was creating new templates, getting on top of the CRM, making sure that uh, we had that in place for when the school started back again. Um, and you know what? I think we all really made the most of it. We identified certain parts of our contracts, part of our registration documents that we we're giving candidates that weren't quite clear mm. so we were making them user friendly for people who can do them online who don't have to do them necessarily with us um, you know face to face so it was really about streamlining every process and again reducing the time that it takes for consultants to do each task that's great that's good it's, good. it's really good to hear that you you were almost ready for that to, you know, to adapt, you know, you're, yeah. you're agile in that approach and meet an immediate reaction uh, yeah. uh, to, to, to adapt. So yeah. do you, do you recognize any trends or kind of um, uh, changes that are you know, going to be going to be happening? Do you think in your sector over the next few months, um, maybe challenges that you might have never dealt with before? I don't know. I think we have to understand that there's a potential that schools might get closed again. I know, mm -hmm. I know Boris was insistent that that won't happen and I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. But uh, if it does, then we have to expect that because a lot of our workers will only be starting new placements in September, mm -hmm. their jobs might not be as secure as the ones last academic year who were there from September to March. Mm. who were then kept on by the school because of the duration of the time they had been there. So we have to understand that that might not happen, that we might find ourselves in that situation again. Um, and if it is, then we might have to look down the idea of online tutoring. Um, potentially, uh, you know, there's been a lot of funding coming into schools for that. Mm. And I was hesitant to do it initially because I didn't feel like we could offer the best service to clients. We didn't have that, that medium, that um, tutor webcam service that we could provide to schools in a, in a good, good enough package. So I said to the guys, look, just stick to what we know for now, you know, teaching assistants, teachers, you know, everything that where we get huge quantity of numbers through, through the door for. Um, that might be something we have to visit later on down the line with doing online tutoring, but for the time being, I, I would rather stick with what we know and I will 
hold off against that for as long as possible. Um, mm. Luckily, within education and within schools, they're probably the most protected package apart from the NHS right now. Mm. Um, so, in my opinion, I don't I don't see it changing. I, I see schools carrying on. I see maybe more stringent measures put in place in terms of keeping teachers safe, in terms of teaching, um, keeping all the staff safe. Um, but you get a lot of my staff are actually shielding. A lot of my staff have other illnesses that, um, you know, we didn't account for and, and that had lived with their grandparents. You know, teaching assistants can vary from 18-year-olds to, to 58-year-olds. You know, so mm. you have a, a very wide demographic. Some come from low socioeconomic backgrounds, um, you know, might be in very heavily populated areas and, and they might not feel safe. So all I've asked my consultants to do and all I've tried to do during this time is to make sure that we are delivering the best candidate experience, that we're always checking up on the candidates. For those that I've furloughed, it's been about texting them when the money comes into my account texting them knowing when I'm going to be paying them, you know, because these guys do not have a million pounds on their mattress, they, they just don't. So for us, all we can do is um, as effectively as possible. Um, and, you know, fortunately, we I'm so happy that we've helped so many people. I think we have 48 staff furloughed at the moment, uh, candidates was. Yeah. So... To, to be able to support them through this difficult time. And we've also decided to support them through August as well. So um, we're one of the only agencies doing that. Um, I guess that the cost of paying the NI pension is a lot less for us compared to your bigger agencies. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, you know, I, I feel like the more we invest in them, the more they will invest in our brand. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I'm already having referrals. As a, as a result of that now with, with candidates saying they looked after us during furlough, why don't you join them? They paid us throughout the whole of, 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 um, uh, of, of the months that we were off work because unfortunately some schools have decided not to pay. Yeah. Um, do I disagree with it? Yes, I do, because furlough is an extension of the government's arm. So are the schools. So you're essentially, essentially being paid by the same person just with a different hand. Mm. Oh, you're right rich and uh, you know that that's a that's an interesting point and i mean yeah. you know that's the thing you know it's you're you're seeing it firsthand and you're, you're seeing it really close up and and a lot of people you know we all have our personal experiences of, of what's going on but equally you know we we kind of are, are we're informed by what's happening in the nhs what's happening in the education sector by what we maybe read or, or consume online or, or see on TV or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, so having a little bit of insight as you just given us there was, you know, really useful. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm a teaching assistant or a teacher, where can we, uh, and I'm looking for a, a new role, where can we find you? Uh, you are you find me almost anywhere uh any on any of the job sites at ltfrecruitment.co.uk or if you're based in the midlands you can contact the consultants jamie and matt who are both on the contact us page on our website um get in touch you know we love speaking to all what's the website 
the website is www.lpfrecruitment.co.uk. Okay, brilliant. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks for your time. Words of wisdom there, and uh, thanks for sharing that uh, with no, us no today. Which is yeah, fantastic. thanks for joining. See you again. No problem. Thanks, Cheers, guys. Rich.